This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, offering members-only discounts that can save you thousands of dollars a year. Find out more at carp.ca. Welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Christine Ross, in for Libby Snymer. Canada's 26th Governor-General offers her take on this country's newly appointed Commander-in-Chief, the first Indigenous person to hold the job. And of the over 3 million Canadian boomers, more than a third are considering buying a home as their primary residence within five years. That's just one finding in a new survey by Royal LePage that reveals some other surprising housing trends. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Canada may have undercounted almost 6,000 COVID deaths during the first 10 months of the pandemic, and even more since then. The findings are contained in a report by the Royal Society of Canada. Researchers found that if Canada continued to miscount fatalities past last November, the mortality rate may be two times higher than reported. This report suggests the uncounted deaths occurred primarily in Canadians older than 45 who were not living in long-term care. This means up to two-thirds of the deaths outside nursing homes are missing from Canada's total. As the pandemic begins to subside, millions of workers in the U.S. are saying, I quit, in search of more money, more flexibility, and more happiness. Many are rethinking what work means to them, how they're valued, and how they spend their time. And it's leading to a dramatic increase in resignations. A record 4 million people quit their jobs in April alone, according to the U.S. Labor Department. In normal times, people quitting jobs in large numbers signals a healthy economy with plentiful jobs. But these are not normal times. While millions of people are still out of work, employers are complaining about acute labour shortages. So they're learning, too, what their parents went through and why the life was so hard and that for First Nations people... A residential school survivor is on a walk of sorrow to Ottawa from Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, and hopes to reach Parliament Hill by the end of this month. Patricia Ballantyne set out last month to honour those who attended residential schools. She made the decision after recent discoveries of unmarked graves at former residential schools. Along the way, the 50-year-old Ballantyne said there have been opportunities to teach her daughter, niece and nephew, who have all joined her on the walk. There's a new treatment for migraines, an omega-3-based diet. Researchers say the fatty acid found in oily fish, such as sardines and salmon, can reduce migraine headaches by up to half, and those same fats have also been shown to be beneficial for the heart. Published in the British Medical Journal, the research suggests a healthy, balanced diet should include at least two portions of fish a week, including one of the oily fish. They asked me, do you want to be an astronaut? I said, yes. They told me that I had done better and completed the work faster than any of the guys. When Jeff Bezos blasts off on the first human flight by his space company later this month, he's taking 82-year-old Mary Wallace Funk with him. She underwent 
astronaut training in the 60s before NASA canceled the program. She'll become the oldest person ever to leave the Earth's atmosphere. Bezos' company Blue Origin plans to launch its passengers more than 100 kilometers above the Earth's surface, allowing them to experience microgravity. The capsule will then return to Earth using parachutes. The entire trip will last about 10 minutes. I'm Christine Ross, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. The past is something that we have to come to terms with, but I am going to look forward to to ensure that Canadians together will build a better Canada. And that is my, that, I think that is my important role. Mary Simon will be Canada's first Indigenous Governor-General. The 74-year-old Inuk leader and former diplomat grew up in a remote village in northern Quebec and has committed her life to advocating for Inuit rights. Parallels can be drawn between Mary Simon and Canada's 26th Governor-General, Adrian Clarkson, this country's first person of Asian descent appointed to the position, who also championed the rights of northern Indigenous communities during her tenure. We reached the Right Honourable Adrian Clarkson to get her reaction to the new appointment. The Right Honourable Adrian Clarkson, thank you so much for joining us. I'm delighted to join you, Christine. So you were the first person of Asian heritage appointed to the position of Governor General. Now we have our first Indigenous Governor General. What was your initial reaction to the news? Oh, I was thrilled that we had uh, an Indigenous person and that that Indigenous person is Mary Simon, whom I know really well through her work over the last 40 years. I followed vaguely Mary's stellar career as she moved into the Arctic Council, uh, became ambassador to Denmark, um, all the things she done with Vice President Makovic. I mean, what a woman. Fantastic. I just couldn't be more excited. I think it's it's a wonderful appointment. I know during your tenure, you made it a point to create stronger ties between Canada and Northern Indigenous peoples. You even created an award given to um, someone whose work affirms the North as part of our national identity. So the Prime Minister... And Mary got that. And Mary got, and Mary that. got that award. So Yes, that's right. Well, I mean, the thing is that Mary as, you know, outstanding in so many ways. And her work continues. Uh, she's, you know, she started young and she's continued and persevered. And I think that uh, I, I just know that she will be uh, very interesting. She'll chart her own way. Uh, she's somebody who knows the ropes in terms of government. She knows the machinery of government. She knows um, how things work, and I think she'll be very realistic. Nobody can do everything in five or six years um, when they're governor general, but they can start things. They can, they can, you know, dig the ground up and make sure that it's fertile ground. The prime minister says he can't think of a better person at this moment, as we all kind of come to terms with the recent horrific discovery of those unmarked graves at residential schools. Will her appointment help with the healing process? I think that. The healing, we have to go through more than just healing. We can't just say we're going to get healed now. We have, still have to come to terms mm-hmm. as Canadians with this horror, this shame, this sin uh, against the Indigenous people. And we have to uh, find every grave that we can. We have to name every name. We have to put people together with their families again that they didn't know what happened to their child. One of the things that Mary does so well is that she's very meticulous and thoughtful, and I think she will help the nation, uh, Canada and Canadians. I think she'll help guide us 
in our thoughts about this. I also see that it will help us very much on an international scale because we have a, a really um, a position with the United Nations um, Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People. We have a position that we must take with honor now that we are going to live up to what we said we were going to do. The Truth and Reconciliation Commission, which um, wonderful Murray Sinclair chaired, uh, all those recommendations, all 94 of them, should be implemented. Governor General has no power, no political power, but enormous, enormous moral authority. And, um, and she can, uh, can remind us constantly what we have to keep doing. She can remind the politicians. And, um, and I think that's, that's really very, very important now. So you have spoken of your connection with Mary Simons over the years, but there is this other connection to your legacy because she, her name came up as a possible replacement for you, but she doesn't speak fluent French. How problematic will this be going forward? Well, I thought she handled that wonderfully. She wasn't allowed to learn French at her, at her school mm-hmm. in northern Quebec. I mean, how weirdly Canadian is that, right? Right. But she speaks, she's bilingual in Inuktitut and English, and for me, that is that is wonderful step uh, for Canadians. And and I think that um, francophones in Canada will understand that. What do you say to the critics, maybe who are growing in number, given what happened in the Governor General's office this last term, who want Canada to do away with the role, calling it highly symbolic and not needed? You have been no, in that role. They're wrong there because they. The Governor General is in the Constitution of Canada, and there's no mention of a Prime Minister in the Constitution of Canada. Uh, the Governor General is where the buck stops, and if you want to change that Constitution, you'd have to have the approval of all ten provinces, and and uh, and I don't think you would get that. Uh, it is still a very important um, function because the buck stops at the Governor General. The Governor General signs all laws into effect. Governor General gives royal assent to everything. The Governor General is the fount of all the national honors that we have, the Order of Canada, the Literary Awards, the Artistic Awards, all of those, the Bravery Awards, all the Military Awards. Governor General is the Commander-in-Chief of the Armed Forces. All of that is very powerful and has been in Canada since 1947. Well, here's a fun question for you. Mary Simon is in her 70s, and for Zoomers, this is fantastic news. It fits in with Moses Neimer's philosophy of aging actively and positive, fulfilling. In that vein, what have you been up to these days? (laughs) Oh, well, I have my foundation called the Institute for Canadian Citizenship, which is to help new Canadians uh, come into Canadian life with all the tools necessary for them to, to plunge into belonging to Canada. And um, it's been going for about 15 years now. We have several very noted programs. One is called Canoe, C-A-N-O-O, which used to be called the Cultural Access Path. So everybody in Canada who becomes a Canadian citizen can go on their telephone and put up Canoe, and they get free access to over 1,800 cultural institutions, all the provincial and public parks, um, for uh, one year with their family of up to four children. This means that all our museums, science centers, um, things that, that uh, are, have government um, contributions to, you know, in some way are supported by government, lets people who have committed themselves to choosing us as their country 
to learn all about it. That was the Right Honourable Adrian Clarkson, Canada's 26th Governor-General who served from 1999 to 2005. I'm Christine Ross and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, some surprising housing trends among boomers. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, fighting to hold politicians accountable for better health care. Find out more at carp.ca. The pandemic meant people focused on the three P's, puppies, pelotons, and property, as people spent more time at home. Now, a new study by Royal LePage dispels some myths about boomers and property and finds when it comes to housing, the older generation has no intention of slowing down and are turning a cold shoulder to retirement. We reached Royal LePage President CEO Phil Soper to dig deeper into these emerging trends. What finding of your latest survey surprised you the most on these trends of boomers and housing? The sheer number of Uh, baby boomers, those in their mid-50s through early 70s, that are planning on trading in real estate over the next five years. Uh, Some uh, 3.2 million people in total, which is uh, up considerably from the last time we uh, asked this question in the mid-teens. I mean, a lot of people will find that to be a very surprising stat. What do you think is driving this trend? The first and most important reason is kids have, have left home. Uh, the children of uh, the the boomers or the millennials, and they stayed uh, at home longer than any previous generation. Uh, but they have finally gone. The, uh, the research showed some uh, 83% of uh, people in the boomer generation are now childless. And with the kids gone, they're looking at their current properties and saying, you know, it doesn't really fit my current lifestyle. Uh, A lot of people, particularly in our most expensive cities, uh, uh, Toronto and uh, Vancouver, are saying that the opportunity cost, the actual value of the home they're sitting on, and and of course the the property taxes they're paying uh, just too high for what they need in their lives right now. And... uh, significant portion, over 70%, said they'd like less maintenance associated with their property if that was possible. But I noticed on your survey, there is a number of those who are considering buying a larger home. Yeah, downsizing is not part of the uh, boomer vocabulary. I think that was that was uh, conceived uh, by futurists some time ago that people would be downsizing predominantly for financial reasons, uh, taking equity out of their homes and and moving to smaller, less valuable homes uh, because they didn't need the space and they needed the money. What this research shows is the majority of people are looking for homes that are the same size or large, uh, just in different locations. And, and I think this is a really key point. They're making this move. They're buying and selling real estate for lifestyle choices as opposed to financial necessity. So more country living, possibly? Yeah. The, a significant uh, portion of this, uh, this cohort of uh, Canadians 
uh, is interested in rural or recreational uh, living. Over half said it, it, it was an interest of them, which uh, as we look at the uh, crunch that's happened in our uh, cottage cottages, our cabins, right. our chalets across the country during the uh, pandemic, where there's been much more demand than supply, it does point to continued upward pressure uh, on cottage country. So is it this hot housing market that we're in, or is it the pandemic that's that's kind of this shift with boomers and the, and the housing trends? The pandemic definitely triggered a housing boom. I've called it the COVID catalyst or the three Ps of the, the pandemic, uh, puppies, telethons, and property. People really put hyper-focus on the homes they were living in, and many found uh, their homes wanting for work-at-home lifestyles. Boomers say the pandemic had much less to do with their decision to uh, to move or their planned decision to move. And uh, if anything, it just delayed it uh, a year or so. They were waiting for the kids to be gone. The current home they were in didn't fit their needs, and they were planning to move regardless. And uh, the time is now, now and over the next few years. So with, with the adult children that moved home during the pandemic, they're now there are signs that they're now moving out. But is the bank of mom and dad still open for those children? <laughs> Absolutely. A full 25% of those surveyed uh, indicated that they intended to help their uh, adult children with their own home purchases. That's a pretty significant number if you uh, think of just how many uh, boomers there are in this country. That is millions of families that are going to do an intergenerational wealth transfer to uh, help their kids uh, get into home ownership, which has been very, very good to boomers, of course. Is there any other stat on this survey that kind of stood out to you? Probably just the financial security of this group. We've known that it uh, that baby boomers were uh, a wealthy demographic, but their financial security, just how many of them, uh, two-thirds of them are mortgage-free, and, and uh, their home ownership rate is very high. It is a financially secure uh, generation, and they are going to uh, have a major impact on Canada's housing market over the coming half decade. Bill Soper, thank you so much for this. Oh, my pleasure. That was Royal LePage President and CEO Phil Soper. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Christine Ross in for Libby Snymer. Thank you for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. Zoomer Week in Review is produced by Zeev Huddy, Christine Ross, and Paul Thomas. Technical producer, Justin Eacock. Executive producer, Moses Nimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.